1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fat Mascara. I am Jen Sullivan. I'm apologizing in advance for my voice. I think I saved up like three years of not getting sick for this week to happen. That's why we did not have a new episode on Wednesday. But we have a great interview for you today. And Jess and I will be back as usual on the mics next Wednesday for your Wednesday news episode. I also wanted to point out I have the best present for all of you. Do you guys know we're doing a giveaway with Color Guru? As you know, Color Guru is one of our favorite sponsors here at Fat Mascara, and we always are talking to you about how much we loved getting our seasonal analysis from a Color Guru. You're going to love it too. Now you have the chance to win one of five Color Guru Essentials packages. They're worth $165. It's an amazing package prize. You will get your colors analyzed. You will have your seasons done. You'll get our color radiance report. You're going to find out what makeup works best for you, what fashion you should be, wearing. It's such a great prize package. We're so excited to bring it to you. All you have to do is go over to our Instagram page, at Fat Mascara, follow us, follow our sponsor, Color Guru. They're at Your Color Guru, And then comment on the post. You'll see the post. There's a picture of Jess and I with our bad colors and our good colors. Read the caption, comment on that, and you'll be entered to win one of five Color Guru Essentials Packages. So exciting. Okay, on to our guest. Jessica Cruel is the editor-in-chief of Valour. And a beauty journalist who has worked for multiple legacy media brands and sites, including, of course, Refinery 29 and Pop Sugar, and then, of course, Allure. Prior to becoming editor in chief, she also served as Allure's features editor and the content director. She's also responsible for launching Allure's Melanin Edit, which we talk about quite a bit in this interview. In fact, I wanted to have her on the podcast now because she just put out, well, Allure just put out some new stories in the Melanin Edit discussing cosmetic procedures and plastic surgery, which we will get into. So that's one of the topics we talk about. Also, you'll get to know Jess better, hear more about her career, some of the beauty products she loves. It's a great interview. I hope you all enjoy it. Here's Jessica. Jessica Cruel, welcome to Fat Mascara. Hi, how are you? I'm great.
2: How are you? I'm so excited to be here. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller.
1: I know I can't believe it's taken us this long to connect over the podcast, but I have to say, I was like, wait, we got to turn on the mics because I'm telling Jess when she appears to me, I was like, oh, Jess, I tried this new smoky eye. I'm not sure about it. I really wanted it to look good for you. So everybody like puts on a face for you, huh? Editor-in-chief of Allure. I think everyone feels so much
2: pressure to show off their best beauty expertise when they come to my office and they want to meet with me. They're like, "Okay, I'm going to get dressed and I'm going to put my make, do my best hair and makeup." And they sh- come in and I'm like barefaced. faced. I don't, I don't do makeup very often, so I feel like I disappoint them a little bit. They're like, "Oh, I was expecting you to give more."
1: <laughs> no, you give though. You have the glasses. So Bobby Brown came on this podcast. She said, "You have to. You have hair. You have fashion, and you have makeup." You got to have two go- two out of three, right? Then it's like respectable. Do you agree with this philosophy? Yes, and I think for years I've always been
2: about hair, okay, the glasses, and then a lip. That was it. You're not I don't, I don't really wear mascara. I mean, I do a brow because I wear glasses, but I'm not really into the full face of makeup. And I think it's the same with beauty editors, right? Beauty editors usually have one category, maybe two, that they lean hard into. And that third category is just left to dust. And for me, yeah. makeup is left to dust.
1: Not quite dust, but yeah, I hear you. (laughs) And category wise, too, it does seem like a beauty journalist, it's funny, it's jumping ahead to a question I had, but they always have like their thing that they like. When you start out, you're like, I'm going to be the nail girl, or I'm really into perfume or skincare. Like, what was it for you that really is your passion point in beauty?
2: I was definitely the hair girl. I came up in the peak natural hair movement. I was. Spent many hours in college on YouTube watching Natural 85 and just really learning about my hair. And, you know, at that time, it wasn't really in mainstream media. So it was like when vlogging first started. And so when I came into the beauty industry, I was all about hair it's very interesting because the beauty industry wasn't about natural hair yet. So it was it was a interesting time.
1: Yeah. Have you always worn your hair in the style or do you change it up throughout the years? Because ever since I've known you, I feel like it's been pretty similar.
2: Yeah, I've been natural ever since I moved to New York over 12 years ago. And I've been natural over 15 years. When it gets cold, I start wearing wigs and uh-huh. I'll wear a silk press. I wear cornrows occasionally, but I pretty much am always wearing natural hair.
1: OK, so go way, way back. Little Jess, down, where did you grow up?
2: I grew up in Albany, Georgia, so a small town about three hours south of Atlanta.
1: Okay, take us way back there. What's the first beauty product you remember getting into?
2: <laughs> this is a tragic story. So the first beauty product I got into was actually a curling iron. <gasps> we're a big beauty family. We do like to get dressed up. And so my aunts were, the story goes, my aunts were in the bathroom curling their hair. And I was crawling on the floor and I yanked the cord and it fell on my arm oh. and i closed my arm up and <gasps> to this day i have a scar on my arm from my first encounter with a beauty product a curling iron and yet here she is editor in chief of allure it did not dissuade you you It a little did baby, not though. it did not i was a little baby and even uh, my mother and i have a picture uh, when i was i guess maybe One barely. And I have this the scars like raw from it being burned.
1: You poor thing. So okay, can we go a little bit forward then to more positive (laughs) moment beauty?
2: (laughs) Maybe like middle school lip gloss. I don't know, but like not so (laughs) tragic. Yeah, Yeah, well, I distinctly remember my mother kind of teaching me about makeup and really going even younger than that, it was hair. It was the Mm -hmm. time that my mother and I spent together. Mm-hmm. arguing <laughs> over my hair. Also not positive, but it gets positive. Every summer, my mother would braid my hair to go on vacation. And I would be asking for the beads and all of that. And I would sit between her legs and watch Lion King or mm-hmm. so, whatever Disney movie was hot at the time. And it was a time that we really spent a lot of time together. Just her and I doing hair. And so that was definitely a positive memory. And even to this day, I've had her come... And do my hair. I'm like, Mom, help me. Oh! <laughs> and so I'll sit on the floor and she'll sit in the chair and she'll twist my hair with me
1: sometimes. Thanks, Mom. Now, <laughs> was she surprised when you said, you know what I'm going to do with my life? I'm going to go be a journalist and it's going to be in the beauty and fashion space. Were you surprised? <laughs> you know, I wasn't surprised.
2: I always okay. dreamed of this glamorous life I would live, the fabulous suit I would wear in the city, you know, as a girl from like a country or town with lots of farm, deep South Georgia. So I was destined for a fabulous life, of course. Of course <laughs> according to are. my little self. But yeah, my family business is actually doctors. My grandfather, my mother, and my father are all doctors. My grandmother's a nurse on that side. So, When I came to them and I was like, I want to go to J school,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: my dad was actually really excited. He's like, oh, my God, you're going to work for The New York Times. It's going to be so awesome. Like Mm -hmm. Jessica, the reporter, or she's going to be on TV. She's going to be on broadcast journalism. Mm -hmm. And then as I did more internships, as I learned more, as the Internet began to rise, I was like, no, I think I want to work for a beauty magazine. And he was like, people make money doing that. <laughs> yes. so it was an adventure but you know my parents have always been super supportive i moved to new york with a suitcase and a sublease agreement and i haven't left since yeah and clearly
1: you're doing you're doing pretty well here yeah, i think it worked, out. it worked out it works out so here you are editor-in-chief of lore i have to ask when you got this top job like what was your day one priority At, like how did you want to evolve Lore? this was 2021 Yes, it was 2021, okay. September. You already were working there, right? So I understand, like, you, you knew something about Allure. But what what did you want to do?
2: Yeah, and I think that's very important to note. I had worked closely with Michelle Lee as a part of her senior team prior to being elevated to Editor-in-Chief. So I always tell people my, my little stamp was already on it in some ways. I launched the Melanin Edit in 2020, so the mm-hmm. year before I became Editor-in-Chief. And it's just kind of—I always— found that I had a voice here and was able to make change here, which is one of the reasons why I was very excited to become editor-in-chief. But day one, I think one of my goals was really thinking about how we could bring more people into the Allure Halo. It's a brand that is beloved and well-known and we're 31 years old. I think we'll be 32 this month. Mm,
1: just about to dabble with some Botox. Or yeah, much. you know.
2: <laughs> so there's a big audience who grew up with us. But thinking a lot about how we're going to bring new people, new audiences, more diverse audiences. And I think I have a great opportunity as a Black editor-in-chief, the first Black editor-in-chief of Allure, to bring that audience in, people who are coming of age and ready to learn more about beauty and be more educated and be more included. I also think it's my position as this journalism that's dedicated to beauty to ask that of the industry as well. So yeah. for me it was all no about No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. It's <laughs> like how many how can we bring more people under this umbrella by telling their stories, being advocates for them in rooms that they're not allowed to come into.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned the melanin edit. So for anybody who doesn't know, what what is that?
2: So the melanin edit is our vertical for those who are highly melanated, so black and brown folks, and it's really a place where we can have unfiltered, unexplained conversation. Mm -hmm. Coming up as a Black beauty editor, I always felt that I had to explain. I would write, oh, so, so, so wearing a TWA. And then I had to put in parentheses, teeny weeny afro. You know, Mm -hmm. it was always me kind of explaining my culture, explaining my style, explaining how I do things. Everyone was like, "Ooh, wow, you do that? Oh, yeah. It was very much so like, oh, I can't believe you spend eight hours on your hair. What do you do? And so, (laughs) and I've heard this from a lot of writers in the space too. They were like, I wrote this story for this publication and then I turned it in and my editor just whitewashed it. Took mm-hmm. out all the voice, took out all the culture, had me explain everything. And so I wanted to create a vertical that we could be talking to each other in a more authentic yeah. way. And I'm not going to lie, a part of it was like, how can we get more writers of color paid to write for a publication like Allure, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. we want those voices to be authentic to the space. But also, previous to this, I worked at Refinery29, where they have Refinery29 Unbothered, which is their whole vertical for Black folks. And... I just saw the power of For Us, By Us content. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: so I really wanted to create something similar that really honed into skin and hair and nails and made it the most
1: important thing. Okay. Talk to me about this language. You call the the audience highly melanated. Was that... Was that on purpose to be more inclusive, or is it just like a euphemism for the Black community?
2: I mean, in a way, it is a euphemism for the Black community. But I also—the yeah. reason why I say highly melanated is because we're talking about skin here, and there are a lot of people who are Afro-Latina who are mixed race and multicultural. And so I think as we move to this place of more diverse, multi-multicultural communities, you know, the next generation is going to be very— multicultural, I feel like highly melanated to me marks someone who has more melanin than the average, right? Okay, And that is kind of what I wanted to note because I didn't want anyone to feel like it's only for darker skinned people, right? Because there are plenty of Black folks who are not darker skinned. But I think we all have, especially lately with the internet, melanin magic, I feel like we've all
1: kind of I mean, leaned it into. It too. Yeah. yeah it mean, has a Black girl magic to it. Yeah, exactly. I do want to ask, because you brought it up, having more Black writers, absolutely important. What do you think about non-Black writers writing about these topics? Because I think that was a problem for so long that a lot of the white beauty editors never had to learn what TWA meant and right. never had to, like, learn all this other stuff that the Black writers did. Like, they had to write about dry shampoo and blowouts. Yep. And I can do it well. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You're probably like, what? Why am I? Why do I know so much about your hair? Yeah. But do you think it's okay for people of different ethnicities and races to speak to other communities? Do you want that to happen? Or is beauty just this kind of thing where, like, if you're in a, you're with the group that can speak to your experience, which is okay, too. I'm just curious what you think. I'm of a mixed mind about it. And I think the reason
2: why I'm of a mixed mind is, yes, I do want all of my... Beauty team to know the ins and outs of all different hair types, right? Because at the end of the day, our job is to provide service, and we have to provide service to whoever who comes to us. So I I do think that's very important that they have the knowledge, that they ask the right questions, and know how to handle those topics. Because so much of it is about being able to ask the right questions to get the right information and to do it in a sensitive way. And every writer should be able to have that capability. On the other hand, at the end of the day, when we freelance, we pay people right? And I think this industry to this day is still more dominated by white people. And Mm -hmm. if I have an opportunity to give a person of color to write about themselves, to write about their community, then that puts money in people's pockets. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that to me is more of the point. Of course, every writer should be able to, but I would love to put
1: money in people's pockets when it comes to this particular topic. I get it. Totally. Staff writers on staff better know, but if we're hiring out freelance, let's help the community rise. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And I think it's the same. I've heard a lot of conversation about black hairstylists feeling like they're pigeonholed into like only doing black hair and they can do all types of hair. Right. So I, I think it's kind of a similar conversation. It's like, cool. If we're doing a shoot, that's like all about Afro hair should I, a white hairstylist or a hairstylist of another race definitely know how to handle Afro hair? For sure. hmm But I also have realized that when you have a set and you're doing something on Afro hair, it just becomes much more comfortable. Yeah. It becomes a more comfortable experience for the people who are on the set, for the people who are getting interviewed, when they f- see someone like them talking to them.
1: Yeah, that's a very strong and powerful thing when you feel seen by the person that's interviewing you. I get that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the story. I The reason I wanted to have you on right now, actually, because the Melanin Edit has some fire going on this month, new stories going up, some slightly taboo topics sometimes, which I think is exciting. The first story I wanted to talk about, or just topic in general a little bit, is plastic surgery.
0: Mm -hmm. Before we get into
1: cosmetic, let's do hard plastic surgery I'm talking about. I saw one of the articles that just came out by um, Sierra Leone Starks. So this story tackles, you know, the taboo of plastic surgery in the black community. She reports that more black and brown people than ever are getting cosmetic surgery. I think it was 1.7 million in 2020 and then only 1 million in 2010. So my question is, do you think this is like just the general rise in the popularity of of plastic surgery, like among everybody? Or is there a specific thing going on in the Black community where it's becoming more, less stigma around plastic surgery? I think there are a few things happening at once.
2: I think, one, you have to think about how, in some ways, Black people are becoming more economically stable as the years go on, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, there are a lot of ways that Black people are held back systematically to access wealth, but Black women in particular are growing their wealth at an amazing clip. And so that means something that we would have said, oh, that's way too expensive. It's out of my price range. Prior to, we now have more disposable income to access. So mm-hmm. that I think is one thing that's happening. Another thing that's happening is look at what the trend is now. And look, people want BBLs. People want you know very slim wastes. And I would argue these are Characteristics that came from black culture anyway, right? The stereotypical black body type. But I think now when we look at people like Cardi B or, you know, SZA recently admitted that she had her body done, it's becoming more of a prevalent conversation in pop culture among black people. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, the desire is there, right? When you have people in the black community so openly talking about how I got my boobs and my but done these procedures
1: are very popular among black folks and, and Latina folks. that celebrity influence, I feel like, cannot be understated just in general, amongst the whole world. We look at the celebrities and we want to know what they're doing. Do you think they owe it to us to like tell us? Like you look, someone comes out and you're like, okay, something's going on. Do you think they should be telling us what they got done? I wish
2: they would, and I wish they would tell it always through allure celebrities. <laughs>
1: Please, tell a of your stories. So do, do pe- people love that kind of stuff, right? Con- that content, yeah. like, why are we so fascinated with knowing? Like, we know they look beautiful, but is it because we then can think, okay, they are just like us. If I had enough money, I could also look like that?
2: Well, I, no, I think it's a matter of honesty, which is yeah. what so many people want these days. Just think about kind of this idea of when there was a backlash because retouching and all of that, people just want to see the truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a believer of get work done, don't get work done, do whatever's good for you. But I do think that if you look a certain way and you are marketing that look that people want to replicate, yeah. Sometimes people wanna know the truth. You don't tell me it's olive oil. Yeah. Oh, no. You know the, what the big one is, Jen. <laughs> what do you do for your beauty? You know, typical beauty journalist goes in and is like, tell me, what do you do to get amazing skin? Oh, you know, I drink water. <sighs> Ma'am. <Sorry. laughs> Ma'am. That I do feel like they're <laughs>
1: opening up more, the celebrities. Me
2: too. And I think everyone is. You know, everyone is being a little bit more transparent about what they're doing because we live in the social media space, in a social media world, where honesty is rewarded, But also, honestly, targeted (laughs) in a negative way sometimes. But I think in general, everyone just wants the truth. Mm. We had a conversation with the Black Beauty Club a couple nights ago to kind of have an intimate conversation about this. And we had two people there who have had plastic surgery, and they've been very honest about their journeys. And one of the reasons was just because I just want people to know the truth. Tell me, what is the Black Beauty Club? So the Black Beauty Club is an organization that facilitates very intimate conversations among Black folks. It is a really great, small, intimate event where we can just talk amongst ourselves. It's kind of past the mic style. So that one, you can go to their Instagram page, the Black Beauty Club, I think is their Instagram, and sign up for their newsletter and events
1: here in New York. They're having an event in London too. It's, it's interesting that that topic came up because like, yeah, people feel judged and you mm-hmm. feel judged by your own communities, one thing, let alone the greater community that's looking at you. So I- I get it. Mm. I do think there's this thing with celebrities, though, where they're like, oh, I don't have plastic surgery. And they'll be able to say, I didn't take Ozempic or I didn't have Botox, but they had cosmetic procedures. They were using semi-glutide and not actually Ozempic. And they had some other botulinum toxin, not Mm. Botox. You know, Mm -hmm. they had Dysport. So they're able to like do this like soft lie, if you will.
2: Yeah. Look, and I also, I think to counter this point, because I do believe in transparency, but I realize that. Sometimes it's, nobody, it's nobody's business. It's also like, why you got questions
1: about my face? And my doctor. That's my medical doctor who I decided to do this
2: with. Right. So I, I, I kind of want on the fence. Do I like it when they're transparent? Yes. Because I think they're held to a standard of, I want to get that. I want to be that. Mm-hmm. Even as much as we as media, or I guess I'll speak for ourselves, us at Allure, try to push this idea of like, you're good the way you are. Do what you want to do. It's your choice. We're all about choice at the end of the day, people want to copy the look. And so I think, you know, it's unrealistic. If I want to get Cardi B's behind, I'm like trying to, in there trying to do squats, it's not going to happen because she had help. So it's nice that she's honest about
1: that. And for so long, we all thought like, oh yeah, if I, yeah, there was this like, If I just work hard enough or if I just eat, like if you want to be skinny, if I just eat, like all these lies that we were told for so many years and now that we're learning, oh wait, they paid for that. (laughs) It makes you
2: feel a little better about yourself. Exactly, and like people will come up to me and be like, oh my gosh, your skin looks so flawless without makeup. And I'd be like, thank you. I've got filler, I've got Botox, I've got microneedling, I've got laugh lines filled, thank you. That's why I look great without makeup.
1: or add Hyacara to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why Honeylove has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, You're like me. I'm like, not everybody's like that, though. But I, I hear you. That's what you have to, to be, you know? Yeah. But I want to be honest, too, because, like, I think people often come to beauty and it's like, what creamy? It's not the cream. <laughs> it's not the cream. Come on now. I it's love a, a moisturizer. It's a facial
2: every month for the last 10 years, baby, that did this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. You mentioned a bunch of actually cosmetic procedures that are in another article that just came out on the melanin edit vertical. I think Baz wrote that one, yeah. didn't she? I've known her for years. She's a great writer. She wrote about some of these less invasive cosmetic procedures that have now opened up to the black and brown community. For I remember for a long time, lasers, it was like, every time I wrote about laser, I would be like, if you are darker than a Fitzpatrick type, whatever, this isn't for you. And it kind of yeah. sucked to have to write that. Some of the things that you named, though, are becoming more popular. Do you think... The dermatologic community is doing a better job at like marketing to that community, or is it more that like, oh no, the technology is coming along? So we have the ability to treat that community.
2: Yeah, the technology is just coming far along. And I think Vase tells a story, and I have a similar story of growing up as a young beauty editor, I would get invited to these events. And one, I was always like, No, I don't want to do laser, no, I don't want to do laser, because I knew there was some danger there. And then one time I was like, you know what? I'm going to go try to get this laser. I get there and they turn me away. They're like, sorry, we don't feel comfortable doing it on you because your skin is, you know, darker. Even though the
1: the laser could technically do it if they did some homework and like figured it out or they just...
2: No, I think they, I mean, also keep in mind that these weren't doctors, medical doctors. They were more like practitioners, but not doctor, doctor, dermatologists. So they turned me away. And... I'm glad that they did because they could easily have just done it and messed up my face, which is would have been the horrible option. But I think what's happened is that for years, these devices would come out and they were never even tested on darker skin tones. It's not required by the FDA to, to test on certain Fitzpatrick skin tones. So how can we know that they work if they've never been tested? And right. I think that's the thing. And technology has come a long, long way where it's able to see around the pigment in the skin and things of that nature. So it's a little bit of both. And I think the more and more that these brands are considering darker skin tones when they test, when they create these devices, the more we get better technology to be
1: used. Yeah. You brought up another point, which is like who you go to to get these things done.
2: Oh yeah. I will tell you right now, Botox parties, I'm not a huge fan of. Med spas, I'm not a huge fan of. Because look, they might do an okay job with the application, but my problem is when something goes wrong.
1: Yeah, who's you want there. somebody
2: who has license to take you to a hospital, <laughs> someone who can oh, handle that kind the TikToks. of
1: thing. We've seen the TikToks. I saw some lady get lip filler the other day and I was just like, oh no, it's not supposed to look like that after you get li-. like, this is an adverse reaction. And she'd gone to like a drive through place and made a video about it. And I was like, get yourself to a doctor. Right. Cause I mean, also like how can you trust that what's
2: in that syringe is what they say is in that syringe? And Oh, I didn't even think about that. And yes. then I think the other thing is like, discounts are great. I love a good discount. I'm a TJ Maxx shopper. Mm-hmm. But like, for your face? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, I think that's the thing that I am very keen on. But, but I must fully acknowledge that I get a lot of the things that I do for free because of my access and, and the way that I report on things for work.
1: Yeah. You bring up a good point, though, as this has become like less stigma. We talk about it more. The prices haven't quite come down yet. So now more people know about it. But then even when I write about it and the editor will ask me, like, can you put in how much this costs? The prices vary so much. And sometimes like, okay, let's just take Botox. If you're just getting those little 11s done between your eyebrows, like here in New York City, that's going to cost you at least 400 bucks from like a reputable place. People don't realize how, like, I can't even imagine what, you know, Cardi B spent on her body plastic surgery. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of thousands is my guess, right? Yeah. I mean, very expensive. I took I took it to the extreme there right like they very no it's a very invasive procedure you want right. to go to the best the circuit, when you're getting yeah. that done mm-hmm. yeah 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 from botox is a huge difference everybody but but like yeah the costs are part of it too like you I totally I totally understand people that want to go to a med spa and I feel really guilty when I have to say like if you were asking me I'd say maybe go see a dermatologist or yeah. a plastic surgeon who's board certified But you want it to be more open to more people, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing that I'm very cognizant of, you know, we've talked a lot about these lasers and plastic surgery. And in no way am I or Laura saying that you need to get these things done. I think it's, to me, more about choice. But also, we are in a time where our access is opening up. There was a time when I could not get those things because the technology wasn't there, because people weren't considering me, because the black dermatology community was almost non-existent. And the more and more time goes on, the more and more diverse these communities get, the more and more our access has opened up. And mm-hmm. we can now have the same access to all the same treatments and surgeries that our other counterparts have always had. So I think, to me, we have to give information to these communities because now they have the access.
1: And you guys are doing a good job at that, Allure. So that's, Good. So it's not, hear that, everybody? It's not just because it's available, you have to do it. It's just no. we want you to be educated. <laughs> we want you to be educated, yes. Because clearly, people are thinking about it. Yeah, they surely are. Let's shift into the Jessica portion of the interview, shall we? <laughs> we I shall. to get personal. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it's still allure, because I know allure is like the king, queen, however you want to say it, of beauty awards. Mm-hmm. Like, that is an intense process yeah. when you guys test. What is... Do you like to test? Like, what's the, like, oh, please, I'll do this category this year. So
2: we are testing right now. We're wrapping up testing for Best ooh, Beauty Insider 2023. College. We're starting to have our debate meetings because that's what happens after testing is done. So this year I tested, I I always test chemical sunscreens because one thing that we make sure during our testing period is that people of different skin tones test. So mm-hmm. I always make sure to test chemical sunscreens because... I want to make sure we have things that work for darker skin tones. Uh, So I always test that. Essence is like one thing that I never go without. And it's that one quirky thing that I never knew about until I was a beauty editor. But I absolutely love Essence. So I test that every
1: year. When did also – it's so funny. Like in my world, that's toner. I understand it's not toner. No, it's not a toner. (laughs) I know. But like I come from like – Three step clinique when I was a baby. That was yes. the, like the middle one, the alcohol stingy 1006, whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden, liquids are not that anymore. They are essences. What's an essence? Yeah.
2: So, you know, look, I grew up on Seabreeze, which is very similar you know. to okay. like that. No, I think an essence for me, we know that serums are more effective when applied to damp skin. And so I use that essence step to be my first layer of hydration. Right. So I do think of toner to be that more astringent, more kind of okay. exfoliating. Essence is the moisturizing liquid. Yes. Toner is the stingy one. Right. I mean, essence, people are always like, this is just water. I'm like, no, it's not water. It's very viscous. <laughs> Don't come for my essence, Jen. I love essence. No, I'm not trying to bring it down, but like. And you can see why people are confused, right? Yes, I definitely can. And, like, for me, like, toner, you apply with a cotton swab. Essence, you apply with your hands, and you, like,
1: press, press. into the skin versus, like, wipe. Right, right. You no, know, that's that's actually a really good point, too. So, like, a P50, a Biologique Recherche P50, this would be a toner in yeah. your mind. Yeah. Because it's, it's an exfoliator. There's acid. Mm-hmm, you're wiping mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Okay, in essence, what essence is I don't want to like give away on what's going to win 2023, but no, you I'll to tell the past. you like what I will tell you, you the
2: past ones. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the SK2 essence. Oh, yes. Okay. The Patera Patera, essence. Yeah. Yeah. I like a lot of K beauty brands. Neogen has a good essence. La Mer has a good essence. It's, You know, pricey, but nice. Yeah, these are not just water. There's, like, good Yeah, there's, see, ingredients. there's ingredients okay. in them.
1: I know, I know. I wasn't <laughs> trying to come for it. I just try to know. clarify for everybody that, like, might not know. So you yes. test essences every year. You test chemical sunscreens every year. Is there a reason you don't test the physical? Do you find that they're not up to par with your highly melanated yeah. skin? I found a... I've never found a, mil- a mineral sunscreen that I liked,
2: so I... Still not.
1: I love it. Speak the yeah, truth. I, I don't really I love mean, I don't them. love it. There should be I'm, that for you, Yes, but. there
2: should be, but I mean, look, the main complaint that I get is white cast, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I hear so much from... For me, it's lavender cast, weirdly. I look yeah. purple
0: sometimes.
2: And it's just, it's so bad whenever a product has, like, any zinc in it, and... Mm. It's also, when people talk about it feels oily or it feels like heavy and thick, that's also usually that mineral kind of weight to a sunscreen. So I just am much more into chemical. I think the other thing, that's another thing about testing, right? The reason why our testing is so efficient is that we usually test things that we actually use. For example, I never wear mascara. I hate mascara. I'm never testing mascara for Best of Beauty. Yeah. I test Essence that I absolutely love and use every day in my routine. I'm not testing something that's off-brand for me. So I'm testing body oils. I'm testing dandruff shampoos. Sexy, sexy. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> but I, I tell you, I had to take some editor in chief privilege this year and be like, I'm not testing deep conditioners. I was like, I can't. I can't That's a do a lot it. of
1: work. I That's can't do a lot do of work. <laughs> what was your reasoning for not this year? It's
2: just we have so many applicants. And oh, it's a big category. Yeah, it's a big category. And. Look, I'm lucky if I wash my hair every two weeks. I'm busy. I was going to say,
1: how many months would it take to I'm condition busy. enough times to get through? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: No, I get it. And you got to do it right. And you got to do it right. Exactly. And so generally what I like to do is I test like half head at first, and then I'll go back to my favorites that, that way.
1: Okay. But you opted out this year. so Yeah. I was like, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's a a lot of work. I think that's why those awards from Allure always tend to – I'm like, oh, yeah, that one I agree with. And we test for
2: months. We test for months. Like, we've been testing since December. So it's like you got a little bit of time.
1: Tell us about some of your other favorite products, regardless of testing. I'm just curious. You mentioned – Sunscreens, but you didn't call out any. I heard your essences. What sunscreen do you like?
2: Yeah, so I'm a big fan of Malay sunscreen. You should, It's a drugstore brand. I love Black Girl sunscreen.
1: Those are good ones.
2: I have to shut my mouth because I was literally about to say one that
1: I've been testing for Best of Beauty,
2: but I'm not going to say Don't it. Don't give
1: it away. Don't give it away. <laughs> okay, we'll move on to a different beauty because you mentioned a couple things that you do use. You said you do your brows because you have glasses. Mm-hmm. You think that's important? Well, like I wear glasses as well. Why do you like your brows to be like? done with glasses but not mascara well mascara mostly because it's a mess
2: i just never really properly learned how to apply it like it, this is like one of the we're getting to the truth now guys okay. the okay. lawyer editor-in-chief does not know how to put on mascara
1: <laughs> on, fat mascara, podcast, on
2: fat mascara podcast i i use it occasionally but yeah i love brow i love the anastasia beverly hills thin brow wiz it's a classic classic. And right now I'm using NYX brow gel, but I dabble in different ones. And I think brows are important for glasses, yes, because I feel like it's the frame of the frame. And I like to wear very kind of big frames. And so I feel like if I don't do my eyebrows, they disappear behind my glasses. And so that's something that I'm always cognizant of.
1: Do you have a signature lip color?
2: Red. Yeah. If I'm not wearing red, I'm wearing dark brown, like
1: 90s brown, Okay, is there a spit that's like you keep going back to?
2: I am currently been wearing also Anastasia Beverly Hills. I think it's called American Doll. It's a bright red. I'm also a big fan of Fenty Stunna Lip Paint in the red, the original red. Those are the two that I wear very much. I feel
1: often. like that was the Super Bowl red, wasn't it? Or it looked well, like well. That's it, but that's a new
2: formula, right? So uh-huh. yeah, but the color is the same. Yeah. I think the color is the same. Yeah.
1: Any other products that we didn't touch on, like perfume? We didn't talk about fragrance. Are you a fragrance girl? Maybe I'm you're not. not a fragrance. Okay, that's person. why we didn't talk about it. What yeah, about a candle? Can, do you do oh, a candle? Candles all day. Candles okay, let's all bring it. Day. Okay, so who who has the scent throw that Jessica Cruel needs? So I'm a huge Nest fan. What scent do you like
2: for your candles? I'm into like fall scents. I will burn a fur candle, like a holiday Christmas tree candle, all. Frickin' year long. I love Christmas trees. I do this lady. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, right now I have a Nest holiday candle on my uh living room coffee table. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> I prefer I don't mind. I'm on board with that because it's a green, there's like a pepperminty balsam going on. But like a pumpkin spice latte, baking oh, no. spices. Mm-mm. Okay, they're stuck they're just for the winter then.
2: Well, I or don't not really Not at all. Not at all. I'm not into like fruity. I could do like a lemon maybe. But not a gourmand. Yeah, I'm not into food candles. Not really. Tree tree Um.
1: candles, not food candles. (laughs)
2: Yes, tree candles, not
1: food candles. (laughs) Okay. Tell me, last question before I have to do a speed round with you, which I'm not sure I prepared you for, but you're going to do great. Are there any people that you go to for like hair color, hair styling, just like people you see again, esthetician? But then I was going to give you a pass because then I was like, wait, she probably has to try a lot of different... No,
2: look, I commit. I commit. I commit. I mean... I believe in building a relationship. <laughs> your hairstylist, the person who injects your face, long standing relationships are good. So Dickie of Hair Rules does my hair. Yeah. And then Michelle Henry does my filler, Botox, all of that. Nails, I actually go to a local Newark. I live in Newark, New Jersey. Uh-huh. And I go to a local shop every two weeks. My Chic Nails in downtown Newark. Do you get a gel? You get a fill, a powder, a dip? Gel extensions with gel polish on top. And, you know, I never used to be a big nails person, but I became editor-in-chief and all of a sudden it felt like I needed a nail. (laughs) It's like I I needed a nail. Yes. Because, you know, like, it's just similar to how people want to look their best when they come to me. I was like, well, now I'm editor-in-chief. I got to, like, bring the beauty. So I do nails every two weeks.
1: See how she did that full circle, everybody? This is how you write a story. You begin with the lead, you go through everything, and then she's got the little kicker to bring it back home in a full circle.
2: Hey, that journalism school is paying off. Thank you.
1: You (laughs) did my job for me. I love it. Okay, (laughs) before we get you out of here, five quick questions. Just a little speed round to get to know you better. What's, like, your Get Ready With Me song? Like, a favorite song to just, like, do your hair to or just get ready for a night out? Right now, it's, like, Cozy by Beyonce. Comfortable in my skin. Comfortable. I don't
2: know. Cozy with who I am. I See, I don't even know the lyrics. Cozy. I was like,
1: is she going to go keep more lyrics? Like, I was going to be really impressed if you kept going. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, what celebrity do you think you'd be best friends with? I am
2: assured that me and Taraji P. Henson will be best friends. Like, we've been trying to get together, and it hasn't quite worked. I love her twist and set products for my twist outs. Mm-hmm. So we were on a panel together once. She met my mom. So we're basically— best friends. We just have to have one more lunch to seal the deal.
0: Okay. There you go.
1: (laughs) Okay. This is, I want the real answer here. If you feel comfortable giving it, what's the last thing you bought? Just like anything, like literally last purchase you swiped on. It could have been the coffee this morning. I don't know. Tell me.
2: I was going to say I bought lunch, uh, a wrap. Tell us (laughs) what kind of wrap. In the Conde cafeteria, a Uh, tuna (laughs) wrap, a tuna wrap. So good thing you're not here breathing the same breath that I'm breathing.
1: How is the Conde tuna wrap? It was good to me. You know, I I, I love a good tuna rap. I don't know the Conde Nast cafeteria used to be like mythical when I was first coming up in the in the magazine world. It was like that's where you had to see and be seen. It's to,
2: It's the first Anna Wintour spotting I ever had was in the Conde cafeteria when I was interning at Self Magazine couple summers before I graduated from college and I saw her and she was like sitting at a table and it's hilarious because now she's my boss. So she sits in my office and we chat. <laughs> yeah.
1: oh God, do you sometimes want to go back to little you and be like, guess what's going to happen?
2: No, because I feel like I would have been just insufferable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Good. good. Fair point. Fair point. Okay. What's your favorite indulgent snack? Oh, right now it's Girl Scout cookie season. And let me <gasps> tell you, Which flavor are you? Thin
2: mints all day, every day.
1: All right. Last question. End of the day. You're about to get your beauty sleep. How do you like to wind down? (laughs) I'm really on a K-drama kick.
2: I went to an event with Charlotte Cho of Soka Glam, and then I met you. And I am now in a a K-drama rabbit hole. Like, I am watching so much k drama and the crazy thing about it is it's actually really not that good to go to sleep to because you have to read it uh, subtitles yeah but i get to a point where like my eyes get low and i'm like okay it's time for me to turn the k drama off
1: that's actually a good point subtitle tv to fall asleep to because if you're not if you stop reading it's te- your brain's like okay we're good we can go to sleep now
2: yeah, like if I'm starting like hitting the back back, I'm like, okay, I, I got to go to sleep. I'm not keeping up.
1: No, that's the then you know it's time for the beauty sleep. That's great. Mm-hmm. Okay, K-Dramas is setting you off to bed. I love that. Um, Jessica, this was so great to hang out with you. Thanks for coming on Fat Mascara. Thank you for having me, Jen.
0: We hope you enjoyed the show. It's
1: your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com.
0: We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razawan One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at FatMascara. If you send it
1: as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. Lash mascara for 25% off.